for herping. Well, we all know that's a lie, right? Sometimes words hurt more than sticks and stones do. Um, I would rather, growing up, my dad spanked me until his arm fell off than to have known he was disappointed in me. Um, I would rather know that, you know, you, someone could, could pop me for something, that's okay, but to know I've hurt them because of my words. Sticks and stones do hurt, but words hurt too. But words don't just hurt. Sometimes words do other things. Right, because words are powerful. Sometimes words encourage people, right? Sometimes they bring, tear people down. Sometimes words build people up. Sometimes words hurt people. Um, if you are a sports fan and you really are passionate about your team, your words usually change from quarter to quarter. All right, I mean, that's the kind of the way it works. Your opinion of the coaching staff changes from quarter to quarter. They're either geniuses or the dumbest people on the planet, right? It just depends on how things are going. And, um, and so words are really, really powerful. And so I want you to consider something. In the original text of the Bible, all right, back in the, the King James days when I don't, when, the king, when the Bible was originally translated, consider this. From Genesis to Revelation, there are 773,693 words. That's a lot of words. Now, if you get a translation today, there's probably more or less because modern translations have kind of, you know, said things differently. So, like, if you like, well, every Bible's like this. No, the original translation of Genesis to Revelation, 773,693 words. That's a lot of words. 31,209 verses. That's pretty much been universally true all throughout. And so the Bible's filled with all these words. There's an Old Testament, there's a New Testament. In the New Testament, there's these four uh, books or letters, as we call them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell us about the time that Jesus was on the planet. And they tell us about his life. And in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see five words. Uh, that describe a person who's trying to follow Jesus. Now, last week we talked about one of those words. And so last week, if you were here on Sunday or Wednesday, kind of bridged the gap between where we were and where we were going. Last week we talked about love and loving people. And someone who's serious about Jesus is someone who's committed to loving people, right? And so, but what the deal is, the Bible tells us Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had a disciple. And you've heard different definitions from me. My go-to definition is a disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That's what a disciple is. Fully devoted follower. Well, what does that mean? Well, it also means that, a, that is, is a passionate pursuer. And so sometimes we go, well, that's two different things. No, it's the same thing. It's just said differently. Much like translations of the Bible, it's the same message. They just say it in a different way. So a fully devoted follower is a passionate pursuer. It is one and the same. It's not like, which one am I trying to be? The, you know, it's when someone says, so which one of those am I trying to be? The answer is yes. Because today I'm going to give you a third different way to express what a fully devoted follower looks like, and that is someone who lives as if they actually take Jesus seriously and at his word. That's what a disciple is, a person who, li who lives as if he or she takes Jesus seriously and at his word. Because it's one thing to say you believe in Jesus. It's one thing to say I'm with Jesus. It's a whole other thing to live your life in a way that shows you take him seriously. 
That's what a disciple is. A fully devoted follower is a passionate pursuer, is someone who lives as if they take Jesus seriously and his word, right? And so that's what we're going to talk about for the next four weeks. Last week we talked about love, and so this week we're going to start in a different place, and we're going to talk about a word that we don't use a lot in our culture, and that's the word abide. And abide is the word that's used in the original translation. Your Bible, if you kind of look it up where we're going to be in just a second, you might see the word remain, and that's okay because that's what it, it's the same thing. It's the same word translated differently, to abide, to remain, or to continue in someone, to stay connected to someone. And that's a theme for John chapter 15 is it kind of gives us what it is to abide. So what the goal for today is really simple. I want you to under, we want to come to the conclusion to understand that abiding is not something you do, it's how you live. It's, it's an event that, that, that takes place over and over and over again in your life. And so in John chapter 15, verse 4, Jesus is with his disciples, and he says this, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So, once again, you may have the word remain, and that's okay, if your translation of the Bible, or some other word, or continue, and that's okay. It means the same thing. The reason we're going to use the word abide, because that is the word that Jesus used. Okay, and so what it means, literally, is to make your home with me. That's what Jesus, so when Jesus says, abide in me, he's saying, I want you to make your home with me. I want you to take up residence with me. I want you to dwell with me. I want you to stay with me. I don't want you to just come visit me. I don't want you to just come hang out with me. I want you to stay here. And so we're going to talk about today what that looks like to make your home with someone. Right? So, so I want to kind of tell you a story. And I, I may have told this story. I don't remember if I have or not, but we have a friend um, her name's Kylie, and Kylie has actually been to church with us before. She's a student down at um, Southern in Savannah, and Kylie likes, likes, used to like to hang out at our house. So much so that I remember this one summer that she came to spend one night. She came to our house to spend one night, and she stayed for a week. Now, her parents knew where she was. They didn't care. We knew where she was. We didn't care. She slept in the bed with Brittany for part of one night until she realized Brittany was a kicker. And then she slept on the couch the rest of the time. Instead of going home, she slept on our couch for nearly a week. Now, eventually, she went home. She just came for a visit. Sometimes that's how we treat Jesus. He's that guy I go to visit when I need something. He's that guy I go to see, but then I go home. And what Jesus is trying to translate to the disciples, what he's trying to make us understand, to abide in him means this. I am not that guy you visit. I am where you live all the time. And everything you do and everything you say, I am where you live always. And so Jesus goes on in John chapter 15, and he, and he talks about one of his I am statements. And he says this. In verse, beginning in verse 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain or abide in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, we're going to talk about that in just a second. 
Anyone who does not abide in me is thrown away like, like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain, if you abide in me and my word remains in you, abides in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciple. This brings great glory to my Father. And so Jesus takes something that's very common to the, to the disciples. They would understand this. Something we understand. You can have a tree in your yard and it can be beautiful. And you can cut a limb off that tree. And you can plant that tree in the ground. That limb in the ground. Or you can just leave it laying in the yard, which uh, what a lot of folks in Scraven County do. They actually kind of leave them laying around, right? Uh, but if it makes you feel better, they do it in Carroll County, a lot of other places too. And so you can take this branch and you can lay it down, and for a while it'll live. For a while it'll survive. For a while it kind of looks like it'll even thrive. Leaves will still grow. But eventually it's going to die. Because it wasn't made to be separate from the tree. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. He says, like, it's kind of like you take, a, you take a vine, you cut it off, you cut a, a branch off from the vine, and, after, and, and it may do okay for a while, but sooner or later it's going to die. And Jesus is trying to say, you were created to be connected to me, to abide in me, to remain in me, and so you can disconnect from me and you'll be okay for a while. And you'll think everything's good and everything's great and, and your life is just perfect together, but eventually stuff's going to happen. Eventually you're going to need me, but you're not going to be connected to me anymore because you've decided you can do life without me. To be a disciple is to abide. To abide is to remain connected to Jesus no matter what we do, no matter where we go, no matter what's going on in our life. That's what it means to abide in Christ. Abiding is something you do every single day, it's not something that you go and then check back out of, right? It's not like going to the hotel, staying for a couple of days, and then going back home. Okay? That would be, so look at it this way I'm gonna go stay a couple of days in a hotel, and, and that's kind of like cutting yourself off from the, from the branch from the vine. Not connected to home anymore. Now, if I'm going to make it, I need to go back home sooner or later. So I'm going to go home so I can reconnect. That's what Jesus is talking about. For a lot of people, for a lot of people, abide, when you talk about abiding in Christ and what it means to abide in Jesus, they kind of have this idea that it's like going on vacation. It's kind of what it is. It's like going on vacation. Now, it's no secret, if you know me, I like vacation time. Um, every, most every summer, I take two weeks in the middle of the summer. There's a lot going on from January until May. There's a lot going on from August to December. I need some time to step away. When I'm on vacation, I don't answer my phone. I've never checked an email in like five years. Um, but I do check messages. I mean, I, I, I stay a little connected because if somebody, something's going on, I want to know. But I need to step away. It's how I get through the year. Now, some people do it differently, and that's okay. That's why I like going to the beach. Because I can just be at the beach and have no expectations. There's no schedule. There's nowhere to be. 
We get there when we get there. If I want to go eat ice cream at 9 o'clock, I'm going to go eat ice cream at 9 o'clock, which happens a lot, by the way. I'm at the beach. Live for those two weeks. Pay for it the rest of the time. If I want to sleep late, I sleep late. If I want to go play golf, go play golf. If I want to go sit on the beach, read a book, play in the water, which is what I do most of the time, it's what I do. In life, sometimes we need a break and we need to step away. A lot of people treat Jesus like he's a vacation spot. Like he's the break you take to step away from life. That I need to step away. So Jesus, I'm going to connect to you for a couple weeks because, man, my life is, is a mess. And, and, man, I got a lot going on. And, and I just, I, I mean, I just, I can't figure things out. So I just need you. It's kind of like the preacher. I heard a, a preacher say this years ago. He was talking about a friend of his who's ta- who said, my preaching is suffering. I guess I need to reconnect to God. Which is backwards. That's what we do. I'm having a hard time. I need to reconnect to God. And when I get full, I'll go back to my life and I'll do what I want to do. And so Jesus becomes vacation Jesus. I'm with you for a couple weeks. I might check you out, check you out on the weekend. But man, I'm going to get back to my life. And when I need you, I know where you'll be. To abide in Christ means that you live with him every day. And you are connected to him every day. And when you go away, he goes with you. Because he's connected to you. And when you make decisions, he is a part of that because he is with you. Here's the abiding question I want you to think about. I want you to just think about this. It's not up on the screen, but just think about this. Is there something going on in your life right now that the only reasonable, logical explanation for why you are enduring is the presence of God in your life. Think about that. Is there something going on in your life right now and the only reasonable explanation of how you can even stand up straight is because Jesus is present in your life. Happens all the time. We don't think of abiding in Christ until we need to abide in him. But the truth is, Jesus says we should do it all the time. Every day. The question is, how do we do that? We live in a world where if it's not on your calendar, my world is simple. If it's not on my calendar, it does not exist. Okay, that's the world that I live in. That's the world I have to live in. If it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist because I'm going to forget. Because that's what I do. All right. When 25 people tell me something. And, and we, we're talking about this this morning. This is what I always say. If, would you write that down for me? Because if you want me to remember, that's the only way it's going to happen. And so people are kind and gracious enough to do that for me. So here's the thing. In a world where we are crammed, where our schedules are crammed so full of stuff, of events, of kids' things, of grandkids' things, of work, of parents, you know, Uh, taking care of your parents, dealing with your spouse, all these things, how do we find time to abide? That's the question we ask, but it's the wrong question. The wrong question is not how do we find time to abide? The right question is how do we abide in Christ in such a way that everything else fits into that? 
That's the way you ask the question. It's not, how do I fit Jesus in? It's like, how does everything in fit with Jesus? That's the abiding question. So we're going to talk about a couple of things. And here's the first thing I want to talk about. If you really want to abide in Christ, you do what the disciples did. And this is what Jesus called the disciples to do. Step out of your comfort and step into your faith. You really want to abide in Christ? That's where it starts. Step out of your comfort. We are creatures of comfort. For nearly 11 years, and it's pretty close to almost 11 years, I ate lunch at the same place every day and ate the same thing. Now, some of you are going, try something new. It worked for me. And I was comfortable. And it was easy. And I didn't have to spend, I didn't have to go, uh, what am I going to have? Um, um, um. You know the people you stand behind at the restaurant and you're waiting your turn and they're like, or the people at the table, what do you want? Um, and you're going, just order something. All right, anything. All right? So it's easy for me. Most every place I go with regularity, there's two things. I'm picking one. It's what I do. And I'm comfortable with that. We like our comfort. It's why when I travel, my pillow goes with me. Because I like my comfort. Years and years and years ago, we were 35 minutes down the road from the beach and realized I left my pillow. You know what we did? We turned around and went and picked it up. Leave it there. I'm not leaving my pillow. I'm going to get it. I like my comfort. We like our comfort. Comfort is not the way of a Christ follower. Jesus didn't call us to comfort. He calls us to step out in faith. So just think about where we are. We are getting ready to talk about building a building. There is nothing comfortable about that conversation. It's necessary. And I think most of us realize that it is. This building that we're about to talk to you about here in, in, in the near future is a humongous step of faith. The comfortable thing to do is just to not do it. The right thing to do is to move forward. But that's the hard thing to do. Stepping out of your comfort and end of faith. That's what the disciples had to do, right? That's what it is to abide. And uh, in a few weeks, we're going to talk about money. And we're going to talk about tithing. And I'm just going to tell you that up front. We're going to talk about tithing. And we're going to talk about money. And when people always say, well, why, let's talk about what Jesus talked about. Talk about money more than anything. So that's what we're going to do. And I'm telling you, choosing to tithe a tenth of your income is not an obligation. It is an abiding event. It is, it is a life that is connected to Jesus. And it is so stinking hard to do when there's always something else that demands your dollar. Faith promise is coming up. It's an abiding event. There are people around the world that are going to depend on us doing our part. One of which is one of our own, James. It's not just giving a dollar. It's an abiding event because your heart's connected to your, to your dollar. That's the world we live in. That's reality. And so we're going to talk about that. 
And we're going to talk about challenging ourselves to give a tenth. Everything in our walk with God is an abiding event. When Peter walked on the water in Matthew 14, we go, that's the coolest thing in the world. And I'm telling you, of all the people I want to be in the Bible, I'd love to be Peter in that moment to walk on the water. Because there's 11 dudes that didn't. Because they're too scared to get out of the boat. And we always look at that event and we go, yeah, Peter walked on the water, but he failed. Yeah, he did. After a few steps, and I don't know what a few is. He might have taken three. He might have taken 33. I don't know. One is more than I've ever taken. One's pretty good. And so we look at this, and, and, and you've got to look at the root of what happened. The disciples are in the boat. They're safe. They're comfortable. They're secure, right? Jesus is strolling across the water. He's got no intention of going, coming over to them, just taking a stroll, midnight stroll. About three in the morning, he catches up to them. They realize it's Jesus. And then Peter, and instead of saying, hey, get in here with us, Peter says, I want to be with you. Come on out. And he did. You know why? Because he wanted to abide in Christ. He wanted to stay connected to Jesus. And Jesus was on the water so many times. This is what we do. And this is how we pray without realizing it. God, there's a lot going on today. Got a busy day. Got a meeting, not even sure I want to have it. Got a hard conversation when we get home tonight. I need you to be with me today. I need you to show up with me. And we pray that way, and it's okay. But that's not how you abide. You see, abiding is not asking Jesus to come along with us. It's about going along with him. Sometimes... We, we, we kind of do it this way, and we're going to look at this in just a second. But just look at this. Sometimes we do it this way. We go, hey, you know what? God, we, we, our church, we're about to do this. Build, uh, we're about to build. We're about to talk about building a building. We want you to bless that. Now we do, but that's backwards. It's not about God come bless what we're doing. So consider this abiding in Jesus is not about inviting him to come along with me. That's not what it is to abide. Abiding in Jesus is not when I invite Jesus to come do my stuff. It's about stepping on faith and doing his stuff. It's about going where Jesus is. So instead of saying, hey, God, bless what I'm doing, it's the, the right way, to, the, the abiding way to approach that is this. Hey, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're blessing. Show me what that is. Show me how in the context of what we're doing, we can be a part of what you're blessing. Because I believe with all my heart, this is God's plan for us. And that's what he wants to bless. So we're not saying, hey, we're going to build a building and come with us. We're like, we're doing this because we think we want to be a part of what you're blessing. It's different. And we do this and we don't even mean it. And I do it all the time. God bless what I'm doing. Mm -mm. God, want, I want to be a part of what you're blessing. Show me what you're blessing, I'll do that. Because here's the deal. God be a part, come bless what I'm doing. It's about my comfort. It's about my, what I want, right? But when I ask God, when I say, God, I want to be a part of what you're blessing, you're probably going to take a large step of faith and do something you've never thought you could do in a million years. To step out of your comfort and step into your faith. That's what Peter did.
That's what Paul did. That's what James and John did. That's what the early church did. They, just, they continually stepped out of their comfort and took enormous strides of faith. And that's what God's calling us to do as a church. But that's what God's calling us to do as individuals every day. That's what it means to abide in Christ, to step out of my comfort and into my faith. I always talk about this before we move on. There's two ways to budget in the church. There is the, okay, we know we can get this, so we're going to ask for this. Or there is, we think God wants us to do this, let's shoot for that. One is about comfort. One is about trusting that God, that you're doing what God's blessing. And you can't have it both ways. Why should I give a, any portion of my income? Because it's a leap of faith. Why should I serve people? It's a leap of faith. Why shouldn't I do what's most comfortable? Because Jesus never did anything that was most comfortable. His whole life is a step of faith. You want to abide? That's how you do it. And while you're doing it, we talk about the second thing. And the second thing is that we live daily with Jesus. We live daily with Jesus. With him every day. So that's the whole deal. So when God, when I'm a part of what God's blessing, what I'm doing gets pulled along for the ride. That meeting I need God to bless, that, that thing I got to deal with at home, when I want to be a part of what God's blessing, he pulls all that with him. To live daily with Jesus. I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine what your life would look like being lived in the constant presence of Jesus. Imagine what your life would look like. Imagine what work would be like. Imagine what your relationships would be like. Imagine what your, your, your family dynamic would be. Imagine. Because that's the picture that Jesus has for us. That's what it is to abide, to live every day in his presence. To choose to abide in him, to remain connected to him, to, to go along, to take a step out of faith, because that's what it is to live daily with Jesus. Living daily with Jesus is, is a step of faith. It's a step of faith. To live with him every day, to trust him. I have spent a lifetime trying to take courageous steps of faith. And I'm just going to tell you right now, sometimes they scare the, everything out of me. There are some steps of faith I've taken very gingerly and scared to death. What about my family? What about this? What about that? What about this? What about I'm a provider? I'm this. I'm, I'm that. Well, when I went to CCF at West Georgia years ago, um, I, I accepted the job under uh, certain conditions. The, the ministry was in a mess. And... And so I said, we need to reboot this board and start over. Okay. Number two, I don't, want, I don't want you to question how I raise money. Okay, how are you going to raise money? Never going to ask for a dime. Well, how are we going to get it? If, if this is God's business, he's going to provide it. We're going to do ministry, and we're going to let God raise money. You know what happened? I was scared to death when I, made, when I said that. And I hoped it worked out. I had a wife and two kids at home, right? Never missed a paycheck. Never didn't pay a bill. Never didn't do anything we didn't want to do in ministry. Never. 
When I made that statement, what I didn't know, there was $17 in check in account of, of ministry. And they went, okay, we're with you. Because honestly, they thought it would fail. And if it had been my plan, it would have failed. But I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I felt like that's what God wanted us to do. The guy that I follow, who's a great guy, the guy was a beggar. And it wasn't working. So I decided, let's let God be God and we'll do ministry. And he blessed it. And he's still blessing that place. It is, and for three years, man, I knew what it was like to live in the presence of Jesus every day. And it was an awesome ride. And it scared the mess out of me almost every day. But I think that's the way it's supposed to be. It's like riding a zip line. The first step off the ledge is tough, but the ride is awesome. If you can just get over the first step and that feeling in your guts when you drop and hope that line catches you before you start flying. That's what it is to live with Jesus. That's why it's to step out in your faith. So, Here's the deal. This is, if you're a Christ follower and you want to abide in Christ, this is, this is what it looks like. I accept the reality of the constant presence of Jesus in my life. And in every decision, when I go to every meeting, when I'm with my kids, if you have them at home, when I'm with my friends, everywhere, all the time, I live in the constant presence of Jesus, which is a long way of saying, no matter what I do, I'm with Jesus. He's not, it's not like he's with me. I'm with him. And I know he's with me because I'm with him. I choose to be with him when I could choose to do it my own way. I choose to live in the presence of Jesus. It changes how you live. It changes what you do. And sometimes it changes what you say. And it changes how you treat people. So how do I do that? Practical things. First thing is read your Bible. You've got to read your Bible. You want to abide in Christ. You cannot, you cannot abide in Christ if you do not open his word. It is not possible. It's not possible. Because that's where we get to know him. That's where we see him. We talked about that a few weeks back. The other thing to do is to pray. I'm telling you, you cannot abide in Christ. It is not possible to abide in him, to stay connected to him if you don't talk to him. So if you ever see me driving down the road and I'm talking, I'm talking, it's one of two things. I'm talking on the phone or I'm talking to God. We've been married for 31 years. This nuts my wife up. I'm just going to go ahead and confess it right now. I talk things out out loud. I talk things out. Who are you talking to? Not you. Well, can you keep it down? Nope. Because that's what I do. You know how when I, when I get ready to preach, I come in here and I have to talk it out. It's, what I, it's, just, it's just how I'm wired. I have to talk it out. But I'm so glad because one of the great benefits of that that I didn't realize was that that's how I talk to God. I just talk it out. And so how, if you're like one of these people, I need to pray, but, you know, but, but my, my prayers are really rigid. How do I, how do I make it personal? So I'm going to give you something really practical to do. And you don't have to do this. So there's two things you can do. If you're a driver or you're, you know, you're riding the car and you imagine 
what it's like when you're driving to Statesboro, driving to Savannah or Augusta or wherever you're driving, and you're talking to your spouse and you're talking, but you're paying attention to the road. You can do both. Once you imagine that Jesus is sitting in the seat beside you and just talk to him. You may go, that's kind of weird. Kind of weird, but it gets to be okay. I have always had, in every office I have, and I have back here, and I will when we move, I keep an empty chair. And sometimes I just talk to the empty chair. And I just imagine that God is sitting across from me. And he's just listening to me. And it may be a little strange, but I so desperately want to stay connected to him that I'll do whatever it takes to do so. Even if people think, I'm a little off my rocker. And you probably do, and it's okay. Here's the real question. Here's the question. You really want to understand where you are in your walk with God. Here's the real question. Abiding in Jesus, or am I just content to hang out with Him? That's the question. Am I abiding in Him, connected to Him, or do we just hang out sometimes? Do I go to Jesus when things are tough and I plug back into my life? Or is Jesus a part of my life every day? That's the question you have to ask yourself. Father, we are um, thankful for your provision in our lives. We are thankful for this reality that you made us in your image, made us to fit with you. It reminds us that you want to connect with us on a personal level. And abiding in you is connecting with you on the most personal and intimate of levels. To remain connected to you no matter what we do. That's what it is to abide in you. Whatever we need to do to make that happen, Lord, I pray that we will do that. Lord, maybe there's someone here that they, without even realizing it, they've treated you like you're a vacation destination. They go to you and they need to retool or refresh or regroup, but they just, and then they just kind of go back to their life. Lord, if that's someone's story, I pray that today will be the day that that person will recommit themselves to staying connected to you. Lord, maybe there's someone here and and we are always asking you to, to bless the things we do. We invite you to come with us. And maybe we need to have the courage to go where you're going to do what you're doing and understand when we bring our stuff with you that you bless it because you love us so much to step out of our comfort to trust you every day even when it makes no sense to abide in you to want to be with you no matter what Lord that's what we that's our desire as a church family but also individually We ask these things in Jesus' name.